Let us pray together. O God, as Christ lives in us, we are called into your reign of mercy and forgiveness. Grant us hope and strength to do your work in the world. Help us to see one another as you see us, as your beloved creation. Grant us courage and compassion as we tackle challenging issues as a community. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In some of the aisles, you will see some white paper and crayons or colored pencils. Those are for our children. I am going to ask that you hand them out to the children that you see around you. Um, if you don't have any, whoever has it, just raise it up. Um, they're in all of the, at the front of all of the aisles. Um, we're ha having a difficult discussion today, and I would like to ask all of our children to draw pictures of what you think love looks like. You can fold your paper in half and do two different pictures or four different pictures, however you like, or just one. But if you want to color and really put some thought into what you think love looks like, we're going to take these creations and send them to a juvenile detention facility after worship today so that we can brighten someone else's day and just walk a little bit with them through what they're going through. And now I am going to start off with a poem called To the Police Officer Who Refused to Sit in the Same Room as My Son Because He's a Gangbanger by Luis Rodriguez. How dare you, how dare you pull this mantle from your sloven sleeve and think it worthy enough to cover my boy? How dare you judge when you also wallow in this mud. Society has turned over its power to you, relinquishing its rule, turned it over to the man in the mask, whose face never changes, always distorts, who does not live where I live, but commands the corners, who does not have to await the nightmares, the street chants, the bullets, the early morning calls, but looks over at us and demeans, calls us animals not worthy of his presence. And I have to say, how dare you? My son deserves to live as all young people. He deserves a future and a job. He deserves contemplation. I can't turn away as you. Yet you govern us? Hear my son's talk. Hear his plea within his pronouncement, his cry between the breach of his hard words. My son speaks in two voices, one of a boy and the other of a man. One is breaking through as the other just hangs. Listen, you who can turn away, who can make such a choice. You who have sons of your own but do not hear them. My son has a face too dark, features too foreign, a tongue too tangled, yet he reveals his truths. He sings your demented rage, but he sings. You have nothing to rage because it's outside of you. He is inside of me, 
His horror is mine. I see what he sees. And if my son dreams, if he plays, if he smirks in the midst of the moon glow, there I will be, smiling through the blackened, cluttered, and snarling pathway toward our wilted heart. This poem paints a scene that none of us would want our child to go through. My son deserves to live as all young people. I can just hear a parent shout. In this poem, the person in power doesn't seem to understand the context, does not seem to carry any empathy for this boy he just calls a gangbanger, does not seem to think of him as someone's son or even as a human being. This is someone he does not even want to share a room with, does not want to breathe the same air as, does not understand in the slightest, but gets to make decisions for um, things that will affect this boy's life forever. How many of you are outraged with the news the last couple of weeks? More cell phone videos of police shootings, more reports of dead men of color, more children with toy guns being killed, more lives snatched away by corrupt systems at play in our country. And so it goes with so many who are incarcerated in our prisons, stuck in corrupt systems. I bet many of us in this sanctuary are somehow connected to someone who is or has been in prison or have experienced something like that in our own lives. It's just not something we talk about. Maybe it's too taboo. Maybe we're ashamed. We might not want to admit my cousin's in jail for whatever reason. But today, I want us to be able to claim our stories. I want us to learn from each other's stories with open hearts and no judgment. I want each of us to feel how deeply mass incarceration ruins the fabric of our nation and begin at least thinking about what we can do to help bring about renewal. Throughout this church year, there will be opportunities to learn about our justice focus on ending mass incarceration and to get involved in some way. Think of this as a way in. Mass incarceration refers to the current American system of incarceration, which is defined by comparatively and historically extreme rates of imprisonment and by the concentration of imprisonment among young African-American men living in neighborhoods of concentrated disadvantage. Although there is scholarly consensus about how to define mass incarceration, there's some level of disagreement over its causes and consequences. Some say it deters and incapacitates. Others say that it weakens poor families, keeping them socially marginalized. While some have an argument that the causes of mass imprisonment suggest the fourth peculiar institution for the control of African Americans, following slavery, Jim Crow, and the ghetto. Others have argued cultural shifts, 
political realignments, changes in job prospects for people with poorer education, and perhaps most importantly, legal changes have driven this dramatic increase and absolute disparity in the rates of imprisonment over the last, the late 20th and early 21st centuries. All agree that it is harming our communities of color. The massive increases in imprisonment might be justifiable if public safety were, safety were dramatically improved, yet incarceration's effects on crime are not nearly as large as once suspected. Given the high rates of imprisonment and racial disparity in imprisonment, it becomes clear that incarceration is a generator of social inequality. In the new Jim Crow, which many of you in this room have read, Michelle Alexander says mass incarceration refers not only to the criminal justice system, but also to the larger web of laws, rules, policies, and customs that control those labeled criminals, both in and out of prison. And now it's common knowledge that the United States is the world's leading nation when it comes to imprisonment, with an estimated 2.3 million inmates. 2.3 million. The United States holds more human beings inside cages, on net and per capita, than any other country around the globe and throughout history. It's about one in 99 adults behind bars. We build more prisons. We spend more money on prisons. And we utilize imprisonment for a wider variety of behaviors than anyone else around the world. Tough sentencing laws and harsh punishments doled out for nonviolent offenses play a huge role in mass incarceration. In July, President Obama even declared that the country has locked up more and more nonviolent drug offenders than ever before, for longer than ever before, and that this is the real reason, reason our prison population is so high. Nonviolent offenders make up more than one half of all prisoners. The number of people who are on probation or parole those still under correctional control or suffering the impact of a criminal record is 65 million. The rate of young black men between the ages of 20, of 20 and 34 is one in nine. America today incarcerates more of her black citizens than South Africa imprisoned during the height of apartheid. More black people are imprisoned today than were enslaved in 1850, a decade prior to the Civil War. The US has taken what is essentially a public health issue, drug addiction, and criminalized it. And punishment continues after the actual period of incarceration. Ex-felons are prohibited from living in public housing. Ex-felons are barred from federal assistance, even food stamps. <sighs> Whoa, this feels so overwhelming. But why are we talking about this today? Why is this our justice focus here at United Parish? Because mass incarceration is not some far removed issue that we really should fight against, but something that affects us all in practical 
and moral ways. In today's text, the prophet Micah asks, what does the Lord require? And the answer is to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God. These three things are essential themes of all the prophets and of Jesus and in the New Testament. And they go together perfectly when we are looking through the lens of the need to end mass incarceration. It's not about burnt offerings or sacrifices of a beloved child like we talked about just a few weeks ago. It has to do with walking with God. Let us imagine what it really means to walk humbly with God. In Hebrew, the word for ethics also means walking. So walking with God means being ethical, which includes doing justice and loving kindness. We walk with God when we walk with one another, not out of pity or charity, but with respect, integrity, and dignity, with empathy and with solidarity, wholeheartedly and boldly. Elie Wiesel said, we must take sides. Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. Sometimes we must interfere. When human dignity is in jeopardy, that must, at that moment, become the center of the universe. And as people of faith, we must be God's agents in the world. And that is why our focus here at the United Parish is on ending mass incarceration. We must not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. Today's scripture tells us that God's mission is doing justice and loving kindness. This Christian ethic aims at manifesting God's love toward all. That includes very explicitly throughout the entire Bible, the disenfranchised and marginalized. God's mission, therefore, encompasses promoting God's justice through institutions and systems for real reconciliation in the world. God calls us to reconciliation and restoration, which means we really have to be with one another, to understand one another, to walk with one another, to walk for one another. In their book, Crime, Values, and Religion, James Day and William Lofter state it very clearly. Christians believe justice is achieved through restitution and not retribution. Let me say that again. Justice is achieved through restitution and not retribution. Mass incarceration is snatching away possibility for individuals in prison and collectively in our shared world and our shared humanity. The laws that govern us as a society must reflect a commitment to justice for all its members. And until it does, it is our Christian mandate to do something about it. We need restitution. We need to set things straight. Abraham Joshua Heschel, in his book, The Prophets, 
says that the most urgent question of religious existence is what is the way of true worship? And then he quotes this scripture of Micah 6, 6 through 8. True worship means walking the walk. This has great moral implications for each of us. How will we walk the walk toward ending mass incarceration? The Talmud refers to this passage from Micah. It reads, do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Do justly now. Love mercy now. Walk humbly now. You are not obligated to complete the work, but neither are you free to abandon it. There is a moral imperative in the fight to end mass incarceration. We may not see the end in our lifetime, but we must work toward it. We may be called to walk this journey in different ways, and I encourage each one of you to think about how you may be called. We will hear an incredible testimony from our member Mark Jones in just a little while, and I believe he has been called to share his story with us today. I've also suggested three things that you can do to continue learning about mass incarceration and its impact, and to get involved in taking a stand against mass incarceration. It's printed in the Opportunities section of your bulletin. Who do you know that has been affected by the criminal justice system? Reach out to them and see how they're doing. If they're comfortable talking about their experience, listen. You can sign up for a pen pal at writeaprisoner.com to help you better understand mass incarceration and how it impacts so many lives, to inspire empathy and solidarity, and to be a companion that walks with a prisoner a little way on their journey. You will be walking with God. And during coffee hour, you can sign up for our Ending Mass Incarceration Legislative Active email, Action email list. We'll alert you when a, when a critical event is happening and explain to you how you can help by taking just a few minutes to email or telephone your senator or representative. Our member Donna Treese will be in the um, chapel after worship collecting names and email addresses if you'd like to sign up for that. Let's walk the walk humbly with God and the God in one another, doing justice and loving kindness a little more each and every day. May it be so.